a Saturday evening emergency podcast because the Maple Leafs have made a trade. Just before the roster freeze ahead of the Seattle expansion draft, Kyle Dubas capitalizes on a team trying to make their protected list work as the Maple Leafs acquire forward Jared McCann from the Penguins in exchange for prospect Philip Hollander and a seventh round pick in 2023. Nick, uh, we're going to break this one down quickly. No Keith this evening because, again, it's Saturday evening. He has a life. Uh, <laughs> Me and Cameron, on the other hand. We're, we're just hanging around waiting for something like this to happen. Uh, let's talk about the price quickly. Um, obviously, that's a price you get because, you know, you're one of the few teams who can take on McCann right now without screwing your whole plan with regards to the expansion draft, right? Like the Leafs were set to protect eight skaters. Most other teams would be going the seven forwards, three defense route, which the Leafs presumably will now go. And we'll talk about that a, a little more uh, as we get into it. But I mean, uh, Hollander, I, I think is a guy that we kind of had some hope would, would pan out and, you know, maybe be a decent player, but obviously you're, you're, you're trading him for the sure thing right now uh, in McCann. Yeah, and I think when you really break it down, you got to remember Philip Hollander is the prospect that was acquired alongside the 15th overall pick last summer, or last offseason rather, in exchange for Kasperi Kapanen. So essentially, the Leafs ended up acquiring uh, Rodion Amirov and uh, Jared McCann in exchange for Kasperi Kapanen when all was said and done. McCann adds significant forward depth up front for the Leafs. And I think it was pretty clear coming into this offseason that the Leafs definitely were going to have to bolster their group up front. They just didn't get enough lower in the lineup when when the big guys ran into a bit of a cold streak. And uh, yeah, McCann's definitely going to help in that regard, has some versatility. Uh, you can't really quibble over the acquisition cost, I don't think. Yeah. Um, so let's let's get into McCann himself, um, because this is kind of another guy, kind of a tweener, it seems to me, like, you know, he's a, a middle six type of guy. And also kind of similarly to, to Alex Kerfoot, like he's a guy who can play center or wing, but I don't necessarily think that um, he, he's a guy that you are looking at as oh yes here's our third line center this is the guy you're trusting the line to I, I feel like he, he might get a little more um, work on the wing uh, any any thoughts on on where he may fit into the lineup and kind of what what kind of player uh, the Leafs are getting here well I think like I said he's a versatile guy he, he might profile better as a winger who can kind of slide into that top six and play with some of the more highly skilled players but I think he also would be a, a capable third line option if they are unable to, you know, upgrade further on Kerfoot in that spot or whatever. And we'll get to Kerfoot a little bit as we continue here. Um, but yeah, McCann is uh, is a great two way player. He's driven results really well defensively. He, he can finish. Um, just a really smart player, well rounded game. Uh, former first round pick. He's kind of been shipped around a little bit in the early part of his career, but he uh, he comes from the Sioux Greyhounds as well. So it, him and Dubas were there at the same time. So Dubas has some familiarity with him. Any concerns over, you know, a young player that's you know jumped around so often in his career? I, I think that you can put that to bed, you know, knowing that Dubas is familiar with the with the player. Uh, yeah, just really bolsters the the Leafs forward group uh, going into the expansion draft and kind of changes the plans heading in there. Um, and I, I think it's interesting to note, like you know, the Penguins. Um, obviously, like that, that's a team where you know he wasn't going to get a shake in the in the top 
two center spots, but um, you know, I, I think that initially probably they acquired him with the hope that he would fill in that that third line center spot, and then eventually they ended up going and acquiring Jeff Carter, who who, who really kind of took over that that line. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that he's going to be um, a really useful player. Like he's produced really nicely, right? Like obviously I think that this past season is is a little bit of an outlier. I don't think that you're expecting a guy to, what was it? A 60 ish point pace, right? So yeah, he clipped along around um, 60 points last year in a shortened season, but he, he, he also produced at around a a 43 point pace. I think the, the season prior. So and he's still a young player, so even if he doesn't ultimately settle in as like a 60-point guy, I think he's someone that can you know routinely push for 45, 50 points every year. Yeah. I, I, can I just – I have a little mini rant. Like I just want to say how much I hate the way the last couple of seasons have just like fucked everything up with that stuff, right? Like, like Matthews, pretty clearly becoming a generational goal scorer, 47 goals in 70 games two seasons ago. 41 and 52 last season. Technically not a 50 goal scorer yet. <laughs> yeah. Right? Jared McCann, based on those numbers, like, you know, coming in, you could probably say he's good for 20, maybe 25 goals. His career high is 14. Like, he did that in 66 games two seasons ago. And then again, last season, 14 goals, 32 points in 43 games. So, like, you know, he's produced nicely and, and, you know, especially playing with those guys, right? You look at who he's going to be replacing, not directly, but he's going to be eating up some of those minutes that Zach Hyman got, cleaning up some of, you know, some of that garbage and getting some of those open looks that, uh, you know, come free when you play with two guys who, who draw as much attention as Matthews and Marner. So like, you know, I w- I've watched a little bit of his just kind of, I went on YouTube and, and pulled up a clip of his goals. Like he's got a nice shot, you know, when he's got some room to get it off, especially like he can, he can really rip it. And uh, yeah, I, I think that he could really fill in nicely and, and he's got some nice defensive impacts too. Like I, I think really that, strong defensive results. Yeah. yeah. I think he, he's going to be a nice fit um, in this. Roster. That's uh, just another reason that I think that, he, you know, different organizational philosophies, different coaching staffs and stuff. It, I think he, he might, be given more of a shot at uh, that third line center role in Toronto than, you know, he ultimately received it in Pittsburgh, but that remains to be seen. There's still a lot to shake out in the coming days and weeks uh, with this off season, you know, shit started popping off today. So uh, I think that's only the beginning. Yeah. Today's been a little bonkers. Um, And I mean, on that point, right, Nick, like we kind of, we came into last season knowing that like this was going to be the plan. Kerfoot is going to be the guy to start out at three C, but like, we didn't feel confident about that. You know, you don't have the guy. So this almost tells me that like, maybe the plan isn't to go and get the guy, but it's, it's obviously, I think a smarter play to have a few guys who, who can be versatile and take over that role at, at, to varying degrees. Like you can kind of shift things around. Maybe you have a line that just works chemistry wise. It doesn't need to be a shutdown line. It just needs to be a line that can, can drive the play a little bit. And, you know, McCann has shown that, that he can drive play. He can produce. Um, and you know, he's fairly young, like he's 25, um, they've got him for another year, 2.94 million, and then he's a restricted free agent. So, um, you know, there's a bit of history there as well with the Sioux. Um, I, I, I think that, you know, they're probably hopeful that this can be a guy who can kind of gel and, um, 
you know, not 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 to draw a direct comparison, but like you look at, um, you know, someone like Jimmy VC, like that's a guy who kind of maybe age wise and like you hope could you hoped could settle in as like a, a you know, third or fourth liner on this team and, and just kind of, you know, fit in nicely with the group. Um, you know, this is obviously a, a greater version of that, but I, I think that um, this is probably a guy that, you know, the Leafs are, are looking at as as someone who um, they, they definitely have plans for moving forward. Yeah, and um, a really good value uh, this coming season on that $2.9 million cap hit for what he could provide them. And just to your point on like the, the versatility and having multiple players that kind of have that now, it, it was great to have Alex Kerfoot and, and his ability to kind of go up and down the lineup, play wing or center. But once they moved Alex Kerfoot away from the third line center spot, they were pretty much left with Pierre Engvall in that spot. And now if they decide that, you know, whether McCann or Kerfoot, if he's still here, is going to be the guy that's playing in that top six, the other one is still there to play that third line center spot. And you don't have to be relying on a Pierre Engvall or, or someone of that ilk. Yeah. And I think, I think that's definitely a part of, um, probably a part of this, right? Like he, he'll get his looks at that third line center spot, but um, you definitely want to have a few more options there. I think than than you did, if you're not going to have that number one, I guess, number three guy with a bullet, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. And McCann's going to get his looks on the power play too. I think he, he's a guy that will end up probably being a focal point on the second unit. Definitely gives them a, a bit more punch in that regard as well. I, I'm a really big fan of this pickup by the Leafs. There's still a lot of room for growth in this player too. Yeah, I'm excited to see him get a look, especially on those wings on the top two lines and see if there's chemistry there and see if he can kind of be that guy. Like, you know, Hyman is a menace. Like, there is no, like, replacing that forechecking ability, right? But, like, there, I am excited about the opportunity, assuming that Hyman is gone, and I think we can safely assume that at this point. Um, there is that opportunity, you know, for, for someone else to step up and do something with those minutes, and, and I'm excited to see what, you know, various guys kind of um, can do with those. But, but yeah, this, this pickup is, I think, definitely exciting from that point of view um so uh, obviously this changes things for the leafs in terms of the expansion draft we talked about that uh, a couple of shows ago and you know we all settled on like the the eight skaters one goalie is the only avenue for the leafs to go basically you protect the big four Well, they didn't have a fifth forward that was really worth protecting and definitely didn't have a sixth or seventh yeah and that was that was the real issue right like you know i, I think that um in the scenario where you are exposing uh, alex kerfoot and you know hall or Dermot. I, I think that kerfoot's the easy pick there for for seattle probably um but yeah i mean i don't think that it's enough to 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 swing the pendulum over to to protect seven forwards 3d uh one goalie but this obviously does you want to protect mccann and um so you know we obviously we talked about this where you know the the we had four forwards, 3D, a goalie that was set. You got Muzzin, Riley, Brody on the back back end, the, the big four. You got Campbell. Like, those are gimme. So so let's start back from that point. 
you add McCann, he, he's protected. So Kerfoot, you wrote a quick hit on the Leafs Nation about this um, trade, and you kind of suggested, well, maybe you know there's a deal to be worked out with um, with Seattle uh, to to have them pick. Kerfoot, uh, Elliot Friedman on the latest 31 Thoughts podcast um, said that he thought the Leafs were expecting to lose Kerfoot. And, you know, I I think that this deal comes about primarily because, A, it's a guy Dubas has coveted, um, and also, B, the expansion draft uh, implications on Pittsburgh's side kind of shook McCann loose. But, you know, I, I do wonder how much of it, it was driven by a desire to protect Kerfoot and give that like push over the line to go 7F3D instead of eight skaters. Um, like not just because Kerfoot's a useful player and a good forward on a team that like has said goodbye to a lot of good forwards the last few seasons, right? And and again, Hyman yeah. probably moving on, but also because like he, he's the last remaining piece from what was you know a tough trade for Kyle Dubas and to let him go for nothing would kind of be compounding on that to to a degree. So getting value for him would be ideal if you're losing him, but I also think there's an element of like this is a good player, he fits what we're doing, we we think he works. There's a reason we acquired him, we'd like to keep him around, maybe try him in a different role to this. So so where where are you on that? Do you think that there is a, a possibility that he still ends up in Seattle or or is this partly motivated by a desire to keep Kerfoot? I think those are all really good points. And Kerfoot is definitely, I think, I've mentioned this before, I think he's been reduced a, a bit by the the trade that brought him here. He, he may not have, you know, lived up to the, the highest expectations that were set out for him, but he's still been a, a fairly valuable piece. Um, I think what it really is going to come down to, and, you know, the Leafs have already submitted their list. We don't know what it is yet. Um, what they may have worked out with Seattle on the side. But I think what it'll come down to with Kerfoot and whether they try to work something out to send him to Seattle will be how much the Leafs want to continue to kind of shuffle things around in their forward group and just kind of change the mix, right? Because if you can get any kind of future value for Kerfoot and, you know, turn around and take his $3.5 million and spend that elsewhere on you know, perhaps a different type of player or a different position up front. I think that's probably what it comes down to now that they have additional forwards that are worth protecting from Seattle. Um, ultimately, I think it's going to come down to Seattle having their choice of Justin Hall and Travis Dermott, but I wouldn't entirely rule out uh, a move between Seattle and Toronto that would see uh, Alex Kerfoot end up in Seattle. Yeah, I mean, it just it feels like... Um... Yeah, from the Leafs' point of view, you know, the, the, the option would certainly be like give them their choice of uh, Hall and Dermott. If you know, th- that's a little more of a, an even kind of um, balance, I guess. It just feels like Kerfoot's a little more valuable. So we'll have him on our list here at least as our sixth forward. Yeah, absolutely. It would have to be a worthwhile return coming back for the Leafs, obviously. Uh, in order to to make something like that happen, because as, as you said, they're not in the business of giving Kerfoot away for nothing, and you know the, the McCann move might have been motivated by that, as you said. Um, so, so this does leave us like a little bit of a debate where there wasn't much of one when we went over the expansion draft a, a couple of shows ago, um, because as we said, you know, there's not too many forwards worth protecting beyond those those top four um now we get to the point where we have our final forward spot and you know we've got our choice of, of players to protect pierre engvall 
thoughts <laughs> i know you're a big engvall guy <laughs> engvall is are. the guy that the leafs should be trying to convince the kraken to take if i'm being honest yeah and and i think there's a case um, for that like uh, I, he's a useful player like there is a world where like he can be uh, like i i i like some of what he brings honestly when he came in in the playoffs i i, I didn't hate him i i thought he was solid no he was fine i, thought, I think you know he it's especially with the way the game is played now he's a big guy he moves quickly he can handle the puck okay um you know i i, I wouldn't hate if he is still on the roster but i also yeah if he ends up being the guy going to seattle i think that would certainly be the best case scenario I, I think that's best case scenario because while he is a fine player and his cap hit isn't like overly it's kind of like justin hall right like like it's you know he he's not um like the cap hit isn't a lot but it, you could probably but how much extra value yeah. are you getting out of him as compared to a, a guy on league minimum or even like a nine hundred thousand? because every couple hundred thousand dollars matters right now exactly yeah um, and, and that kind of ties me back to Kerfoot, where if he's a player that hasn't really provided the Leafs what they're looking for, and they don't believe that he's going to be the answer to what the team needs, I think that could be you know a scenario where they they look at, at moving him out to reallocate his salary somewhere else. Yeah, and there's also the point, like not to get too far into the weeds on this expansion draft stuff, but I was listening to it might have also been on the Thirty One Thoughts Pod, but. Um, basically like Seattle has to select um, like the players they select have to account for at least 60% of the, the cap ceiling. So, um, you know, you, you got to get there some way. Right. And, and Kerfoot at 3.5 would, would help with that as opposed to, you know, someone else. But um, yeah, cause it's a, a significant enough chunk out of the cap. And, and he's also a player that could be a valuable piece for them both now and in the future. Right. He's a guy that you could see them, if they do take him and he's playing out his deal there, he could be someone that they move next year as sort of a rental piece if, if they're not you know in the same position as Vegas was competing yeah. for a cup right away. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that, that, that final forward spot, um, I mean, there, there are two other guys that kind of come to mind, like obviously like Wayne Simmons, Jason Spezza, you're not protecting those guys. Um, but I, you know, there are a couple of guys who I think um, Adam Brooks and Joey Anderson uh, are both guys that would need to be protected, I believe. They're both players um, that I would protect over Pierre Engvall yeah. at this point, just because of w what I mentioned a minute ago, as far as like value for salary, Engvall's cap hit isn't restrictive or anything like that, but I don't think he provides that much excess value as compared to a Joey Anderson or Adam Brooks uh, on what they're making. Uh, those are guys that I would, and other than that, I prefer them stylistically as players. Yeah. So maybe I'm a bit biased there, but uh, those are guys that I would, I would definitely protect over Engvall. And yeah, it would be a tough choice between the two of them for me. I yeah. think, I think um, I probably lean Anderson just because Brooks uh, already went through waivers earlier in the year. Yeah, that's um, a good point. That, I mean, it's out of, out of training camp, you know, a lot of guys go through waivers then, so it doesn't make that much of a difference, but um, you know, he, he's the in-house guy, right? Like he's the guy, you know, uh, whereas Anderson, someone who, who was actually, you know, he, he came back in the Onsen deal. They gave up a significant piece to get the to yeah. get Anderson into the organization. So I, I think that that's 
that's a, a big reason why he might be someone that we see on the Leafs protection list before the, the draft happens. Exactly. Kind of a smaller version of the Kerfoot thing where, you know, he's just he's a guy who you brought in because you want to see, you know, what he does and, uh, you know, you don't want to lose him for nothing. So, And he's also one of those players that kind of brings that unique element, to, you know, sort of a grittier forechecking exactly. kind of presence that will compete down lower in the lineup, not something that they have an abundance of right now. So I, I would say when it comes down to it, we're looking at the big four, McCann, Turfoot, and then probably Anderson. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you lose a guy like Brooks or Engvall, like those are just, those are, you know, draft, lower draft picks that turned out really nicely and, and you got some value from them and now they've moved on and, and, and whatever. But Anderson, you're, you haven't really gotten any anything out of yet. So um, I, it feels like yeah. that would be the pick. But uh, I suppose we will see in the days to come. I am excited to see what, what Brooks does based on you know what we've seen so far i'd I'd like to see him in the lineup i'm a big adam brooks guy too um all right so emergency pod in the uh in the books um wanted to mention a couple other things too the leafs also um brought in a couple of assistant coaches they announced earlier in the week uh dean uh as an assistant coach um coming in to replace dave hackstall and i kind of figured that would be it and then they uh just announced that they've hired spencer carberry also as an assistant coach who was the uh, ahl coach of the year this past season for hershey um he had just signed uh, an extension with them uh, back in april too so seems like uh, something that just sort of developed recently so no bruce budrow looks like <laughs> and no paul mcclain getting moved to the the regular bench from up top which is fucking criminal that that guy and his mustache are off screen at all times fucking criminal i would love to see mcclain on the bench uh, nova scotia guy yeah big Paul McLean guy. I just, yeah, it's, it is, it's criminal that he's had to wear a mask too. Yeah. He is the walrus cuckoo. Kaju. <laughs> we want to see that duster baby. <laughs> All right. Let's leave it at that. Uh, if you'd like to hear more expansion draft content last week, we recorded an episode delving further into that topic, perhaps a little outdated after this latest move. But uh, on that episode, we also discussed contract extensions for Travis Dermott and Wayne Simmons, as well as some recent personnel moves. And earlier this week, we were joined by Rahef Issa to discuss free agency. Uh, it was really great to talk to Rahef, even though the Leafs are extremely limited in what they can do uh, because of the salary cap. Uh, that did not stop us from fantasizing about the big fish, uh, such as Taylor Hall and Dougie Hamilton. And we also talked about targets at key positions for the Leafs, uh, backup slash tandem goalie, of course, being one of those. Uh, One of Rahef's goalie targets was Yaroslav Halak, and his agent, Alan Walsh, has just confirmed that he'll be going to market. So uh, go check out those episodes. Keep listening for more off-season content and follow us on Twitter at LamentingLeafs.